Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of One Question with Pastor Adam. And I'm Adam, and I'm a pastor to believers and doubters, to unfaithful Christians and faithful atheists. Jesus wasn't afraid of questions, and neither are we. So each week on this podcast, we will explore one question that you have sent me over Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We will explore questions that you might be afraid to ask someone else. Some topics include the Bible, heaven and hell, who is Jesus, and do you have to be a Christian in order to be saved? If you have questions, hit me up over on social media, either on my Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages, or the Clackamas United Church of Christ pages, or the Raven Foundation pages. Our question today is another big, giant, complicated question, and it comes from Mike. Mike asks this, what is the name of God and why does it matter? (laughs) Mike goes on to talk about there are many names for God in the Bible and there are parts in the Bible where God is called Yahweh and there are parts where God is called El Shaddai and Elohim and then is Jesus another name for God? Is Christ another name for God? There are so many names. Why does it matter? Well, Mike, this is a really big, mysterious question. And I think that's partly the point is that there are so many names for God in the Bible that one name cannot contain God. God is infinite and diverse and one, yes, but also full of multiplicity. One of the great teachings in the Bible is that God is one. And you find that in the phrase, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the it's interesting because the word for one there is echad, which is a Hebrew word that means one, yes, but also multiplicity within the one. There's another Hebrew word, it's yahid, that means one, solitary oneness, without multiplicity. But echad means one with complexity and multiplicity within it. So you might think of it like this. Humanity is one in our humanness, right? But within our humanness, there is multiplicity. Different colors, different races, different genders. All of this multiplicity makes up the oneness that is humanity. And God is infinite, multiplicity within the oneness that is God. And so the fact that there would be many different names for God, to me, is completely understandable. And maybe each of those names allows us to see a different facet of God. For example, there's this great passage in the book of Exodus where God appears to Moses as the great I Am, or the great Yahweh. And in chapter 6, God says to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So here God is saying that 
God makes God's self known to Moses in a new and different way as the Lord, which is the way that we translate Yahweh. And interestingly, the way that we translate God Almighty is from the Hebrew word El Shaddai. So God appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. And why does that matter? Well, El Shaddai means God of the mountain. It's a God of strength and God of power and also the God where you would go up the mountain and you might have this divine godlike experience when you're up on top of this mountain. But El Shaddai also has an ancient Jewish tradition of meaning, are you ready for this? The many-breasted one. <laughs> I mean, isn't this so great? When the Bible starts off and it says that humans are created in the image of God, male and female, there is something male and female about God, about the image of God. And here El Shaddai has this very female imagery of the many-breasted one. This is the God who comes to us with nourishment and feeds us like a divine God-like mother. Feeds her children. El Shaddai. Come on. I love it. But here God comes to Moses as Yahweh or as what we translate as the Lord. And so what is significant about that? Well, there's a lot of debate about what Yahweh actually means, but it means something like, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And since there's a lot of debate about it, you can't really pinpoint what exactly it means. In fact, our Jewish siblings aren't even allowed to say this name. One of my rabbi friends says that if you were to say it, it would sound like a breath. Like the name of God is like this. Yahweh. Yahweh. It's this breathing in and out. And why is that significant? Because you cannot hold on to breath. You cannot hold the name of God because once you do that, you've lost it. There is something about these multiple names, and even you see it in the name Yahweh, that defies human conception, that defies the human desire to want to hold on and control God. You can't control God because there are so many different multiplicities within God, so many different names, and God is like your breath. You can't control it. You can't grasp onto it. God is like the wind. And yet in the book of Exodus, we see that the name Yahweh is connected with the one who hears the cry of the victims of human culture. So you notice at the beginning of Exodus, when the Hebrews are enslaved to the Pharaoh and Egypt, that the Hebrews cry out. They don't even cry out to God. They just cry out in the midst of their pain and oppression. And those cries go up to Yahweh. Yahweh hears the cry of the victim. And so this particular name, Yahweh, is the one who does not align with the powers and principalities, the rulers, the oppression of the world, but rather Yahweh is the one who aligns with those who are oppressed, who are on the underside of human history. And this Yahweh is the one who seeks to lead them into liberation. Yahweh aligns Yahweh's self with 
liberation, freedom from oppression. And here I want you to see the radical transformation in the understanding of God that comes with this name Yahweh. Because for most of human history, we have thought that God was with the oppressors, the victors, the powerful. But here we see that God, Yahweh, is with those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, those who are powerless. And you see Yahweh acting this way throughout the Hebrew scriptures. This view of God, this view of Yahweh that we meet in Exodus is the vision of God that kind of takes over the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. It's the one who moved the prophet Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. It's the same Yahweh who moved later prophets to go to the king's and the rulers of Israel to tell them that their job was to care for those who were poor, widowed, to care for those who were on the margins of their society. And Mike brings up uh, the name of Jesus. And this is really crucial, Mike, for Christians to understand, I think, because there's this ancient tradition that says that Yahweh becomes human in the person Jesus. And in Jesus, we see what Yahweh is truly all about. So throughout the Hebrew scriptures, there's this tension that, yeah, Yahweh is about freedom from oppression, but Yahweh can sometimes use oppressive means to bring about freedom from oppression. <laughs> Yahweh can sometimes be violent in Yahweh's quest for nonviolence. But what we see is that violence never works to solve the problem of violence. And so throughout scriptures, you also get this different vision, like from many of the prophets who give a nonviolent vision of God. You see glimpses of this, especially in the work of Isaiah and the suffering servant songs, where God's servant makes the world a better place, not through violence or hatred, but through sacrificial service towards others. And Jesus seems to have picked up this strand from within his Jewish tradition to live this out as a way of showing who God really is. So the early Christians said, if you want to know what Yahweh is really like, then look to the Jewish Jesus. Jesus, fully within his Jewish context, lives within this Isaiah strand of the Bible. Through Jesus, we see a God who says, turn the other cheek, which is not a teaching of pacifism so much as it is a teaching of nonviolent resistance. Because turning the other cheek does not mean that you run away. It means that you stay there and you turn your other cheek. And it means that you proclaim your God-given humanity, not by running away in fear and not by attacking with violence, but by staying present and showing the world another way that leads away from oppression and violence towards communities of love and acceptance. The early Christians said that if you want to know what Yahweh is really like, then look to Jesus, who when he was about to be arrested, one of his followers cut off the ear of one of the men who was trying to arrest him. And how did Jesus respond? He said, put your sword back in its place for all who live by the sword, die by the sword. And then he healed his enemy's ear. If you want to know what God is like, that's what God is like. And there are so many other ways to look at this, Mike. You bring up 
uh, another question, which is, if Jesus is the name of God and it's pronounced Yeshua, why does it translate into English, English as Joshua? On one level, the answer to this is just that that's the way that the name Yeshua translates into English. But on another level, the Hebrew word Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, means rescuer or deliverer or savior. And the whole issue is how does Jesus save? There's a book in the Hebrew scriptures called Joshua. And Joshua, Yeshua, it saves the people through violence, through conquering their enemies. But here we have a new Yeshua, a new Joshua, a new Jewish Jesus who comes in and delivers and saves the people from their sins. That's what we need to be saved from, from our sins of violence and hatred and anger against one another so that we live into a new way of seeking justice, not through violence and hatred and anger towards others, but through love and compassion and nonviolent resistance and reconciliation. So Mike, those are my thoughts about this big, giant, complicated question about the names of God. And one of the great things about all of the different names for God is that God is bigger than our culture. God is bigger than our one religion. God is bigger than any one name. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. And so is God El Shaddai, the God of the mountains, the God who is the many-breasted one? You bet. That is a good name for God. And is God Yahweh, the one who leads us into liberation from oppression? You bet. And is God also the name Jesus, who leads us into a future of love and nonviolence? Yes. And what about the Holy Spirit? And what about the Father? And what about God as our mother? And Allah and Abba? I would say yes. All of those are included into the names of God. So friends, those are my thoughts about Mike's great question about the names of God. Thank you for listening and thank you for having the courage to ask questions. And if you have a question, hit me up over on social media. And if you want more content, check me out at ravenfoundation.org, where we explore life, faith, and memetic theory. And if you are in the Portland area, come check us out at Clackamas United Church of Christ. And hey, always remember, your faith and your doubts are holy. So join me next time as we continue to explore your questions. 